This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 819, you're tuned to WGNS on this Thursday morning. And with us in studio from Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue, we have Fire Chief Mark Folks, and then also with us, Seth Russell, the Emergency Communications Director. And so we'll talk a little bit about, I guess, 911 calls, where they go, how they're routed, and uh, changes for the fire department as well. So where do you want to start? Good morning, Scott. You doing okay this morning? I'm good. Good. Uh, well, we, we thought we would kind of have some information on this morning for the listeners about, you know, our 911 processes because they've changed immensely over the last few years. You know, uh, um, in the past, before the police department moved over to their new headquarters building on Highland, the, uh, our communication center was right here next door to this building uh, in the old police department headquarters uh, up on the second floor. And it was, uh, you know, and it was a nice center, but it was not... Uh, you know, a modern day center that's up to date and, and how we would kind of want things handled within Murfreesboro. And so the, the new building contains our 911 center and all the uh, the space that they need, both for now and for future growth. Um, and I'll let Seth kind of talk about when we get into that about, you know, the number of positions that we have in consoles and all those kind of things within the center. But uh, the great thing about our new center is it's, uh, it's fully protected. So the building over there is designed uh, with all the security measures in mind and all the hardening of the facility with you know tornado protection even and those kind of things uh, and so that center is very very well protected uh, which we have to have because you have to be able to operate in, in any environment when you're receiving 911 calls and so it's a uh, it's a major upgrade over what we had over here next door uh, and it's a, a very very state-of-the-art center and it's a it's a great place for our dispatchers to work and uh, and I can't say enough about what Seth has done since he's been here he's been with us uh, about four years now and all of the dispatchers that we have, um, you know, they're our unsung heroes because uh, they really truly keep our police officers and our firefighters safe um, by the information that they gather on that initial call. Uh, they help keep our uh, our first responders safe and they are kind of the first first responder of what we consider. And I also applaud our city council and our, our city government that they recognize our first responders the way that they do. And that's not the case everywhere, but you know, our, our first responders are recognized as much in the public safety as our police officers and our firefighters. They are truly first responders. They're in our public safety classifications. They are considered, you know, essential employees when it comes to the, all the public safety classifications and who we are and safety sensitive positions. And that's just, a, that's just not that way everywhere. And it's sad that it's not, but, but a lot of places need to recognize, uh, our dispatchers and our 911 call, call processors and emergency medical dispatchers for what they do. I remember a number of years back next door at the police station, I don't remember if it was the second floor or fourth floor, but I remember the old 911 call center and it was just, well, you know, it was a building built in the 1970s, first of all, that wasn't outfitted for all the computer technology we have, the wiring and, and so forth. So I, I, if I recall, you had to step up to get into the little room where all the dispatchers worked and it, it was just quite different i guess compared to today's 911 call center yeah it was very different and uh you know and what you were stepping up to is they basically put what we call computer floors in that building so where you could run all the cabling underneath, huh? underneath and stuff like that but of course in a building design like that 
the, the ceilings were much lower and so it kind of made it feel more of a cramped space for the dispatchers to work because you've you've raised the floor now you've you've kind of at the same time brought the ceiling down uh, and it made it feel a lot more cramped and our new center has uh, got very high ceilings all the computer floors are underneath uh, all the wiring and everything else is designed with conduit to where we can change wiring if we need to because uh, as you know and being in this business things change immensely with technology and and what you're utilizing and uh, you know the wire cable that you're using today may not be the same tomorrow and so uh, being able to upgrade those things on the fly means a lot to us and, and being able to do those systems so the 911 call center we have today is it in the murfreesboro police department where where is it stationed seth you want to it's uh, in the new Murfreesboro Police Station over at Highland. Um, it is um, uh, still on the uh, the second floor, but is like uh, Chief Folks was saying, it is definitely uh, built for the modern day 901 Center and for growth. Um, we had no growth capacity in our um, in the old center next door to here. Uh, the new center we have um, can maintain the the workload and also handle the. The call load that we have today and also growth is built um, I, I think about 30 40 year growth capability for both on the technology side and also on the on the uh, personnel side so uh, we have growth capacity with within the number of consoles as our staffing grows as we uh, really try to implement and uh, improve our systems and processes and invest in our invest in our dispatches to keep up with that growth and get ahead of that growth of the rapid growing cities so. now I know in the world of cell phones people who move from state to state they'll often keep their same old phone number and yep. same cell phone with them and I know that through the state's website you can go online and actually update your personal information so if you have an accident or something I guess they will know your home address but what pops up on the computer when that cell phone call originally comes into the 911 center when it comes to the landlines uh, the address we receive is through the phone companies um, but majority as you probably aware majority of 911 calls that we received uh, to, uh, now is uh, wireless ever since the dawn of the, the cell phones and all the uh, smart uh, cell phones years ago uh, so the vast majority um, like 99 percent uh, or 90 90 95 percent of all our 911 calls are um, coming through wireless devices. Uh, there's multiple ways, uh, multiple technologies we use to get the location on those. Uh, through the, the, the 911 system, we can um, get uh, uh, either a like a football field or m maybe a, a side of a city. We have uh, means to um, narrow that down um, to get a better location on the wireless cell phones. We also use an uh, application called Rap SOS, which is a web base. Um, and if uh, the user allows um, um, to share their their location with public safety, that is presented in the 911 center. That that gets us more of the geospatial uh, GIS location that like Domino's and other um, private companies can get to deliver deliver your food. So it's very important that if you have functionality on your cell phone to share your location or medical or whatever data they, they want to put on that and share with public safety that they do, that helps us um, find uh, the caller and the emergency quicker. You know, I'm, I'm sure this happens, maybe it happens often, but somebody will call 911 in the midst of something huge going on, maybe a medical crisis, they're having a heart attack and and so they pick up their phone call 911 but they don't have a chance to get any words out 
how close are you able to track where that phone call came from in those situations to get to get that person help? We have very uh, varying means to do that. So if we don't get exact location with that cell phone, we can rebid that, get a more narrow location. We have that wrapped SOS portal, which uh, gives us more of the precise GS location. We also can work with carriers in those life-threatening situations to um, to bid that, get a more exact location with the carriers. Um, and also we have um, means uh, with getting uh, responders on, on scene and kind of narrowing down that and there's multiple times we get multiple callers so we can use the triangulator um, there's a handful of tools in our toolbox to narrow down that location what are some of the most common calls you get through 911 a lot of it is in traffic accidents uh, welfare checks um, uh, disagreements civil matters um, your your life-threatening uh, calls obviously um, a lot of uh, uh, on the on the police side, your your noise complaints um, again, traffic accidents. Um, yeah, again, on the fire side, it's it's alarms, uh, yeah. burglar alarms and fire alarms. And we work with we're actually partnered with uh, f- fifteen different alarm centers around the nation, so we can receive that alarm information directly <clears throat> digitally into our computer system. So it kind of bypasses our call taking process gets us more accurate information quicker and that's something we that's an enhancement like chief folks was mentioning that we uh, implemented about a year and a half ago now um, and that's um, that definitely speeds up the alarm process and also cut down our our, our 911 tel- telecommunicators are uh, very highly professional and highly trained but there's always that um, potentially an accent or uh, maybe a um, could have some sort of um, um, communication or uh, the information might have been slightly uh, adjusted over the phone but any sort of means we can implement technology and make it more efficient and quicker and um, as a as a technology tool for our dispatchers is highly valuable hey, and then chief I, I guess on the fire side of it you guys are getting called out to all these different accidents that are occurring probably more frequently as we continue to grow. Yeah, and traffic accidents are, are one of the things that we answer, but our, our biggest is emergency medical responses. Uh, it's a large percentage of our responses that we take on, uh, and that's part of the technology upgrades. But kind of circling back before we get into a lot of that with the, the emergency medical calls, I wanted to make sure, because I get asked a lot when we're out about you know, cell phones and can anybody really get my location with cell phones? The All of the different forms of technology, you know, in the past, um, probably within in the last two years, we've implemented in Rutherford County uh, the next generation 911, which basically pings off of your phone much more accurately than what it used to in the past. Because in the past, basically, we were getting you pinged off of a tower. And so it was within a tower range location that we were getting um, so I mean it may be a few thousand feet and, and that kind of brings down on the next generation 911 to a few hundred feet and then using that rebid and then doing uh, what Seth mentioned on the new technology that we have and some of those things on allowing uh, that privacy mode on your phone to be shared with 911 and public safety 
um, you know, we can get we can really pencil that down into a, a, just a few hundred feet, and we can find typically find uh, the caller uh, whenever that happens, even if they're not able to say another word. And so it's a that makes a huge difference for us. And a, and a lot of people ask that when I'm when I see people out and we go to community meetings and other things like that. And the big important thing is, and a lot of people also ask about tornado sirens and what we don't have sirens here but the big thing on the, the big deal is you know I, I know that people don't like you know on the privacy thing and people tracking them and locating them with the phone but if you would just allow the 911 services and allow the public safety services to to have that information from your phone it makes a tremendous difference it also activates the uh, iPulse was what we use for alerting within the within the county and, and within our city and, and we can do that through our 911 centers and and that makes a huge difference on that alerting, whether it's weather alerts or, you know, if we were to have a, a dangerous situation, a hazardous materials response where we want people to shelter in place in their homes, that is how we're going to notify people, either by landline phone or by their cell phone. And without that, without them enabling that location information, that doesn't give you the ability to, to do that. But the, the fantastic thing about the iPods and, and the weather alerts that come through that, that network is it doesn't matter where you're at. I mean, if you're traveling, and you've got that activated and there's a tornado warning and you're in florida on vacation and a tornado warning happens in that area you're going to get that alert on your phone whether you're there or whether you're at home so it's it's a it's a very important thing to have in place uh, and we real and i we definitely want to protect people's privacy and we do that we don't use that for anything other than emergency alerting and, and emergency location finding and things like that and so it's a very very important thing for people to have that activated on their phone you know technology has changed tremendously over the years and and i'm sure a lot of folks who are listening and you know us included it's hard to imagine looking back you know 20 years ago to what it would be like today i mean things have changed that much in 20 30 years oh it's tremendous how much it's changed i mean in the past if you didn't you know if you had if you didn't have a 911 line i mean you just couldn't i mean if you didn't have a landline you were not going to get a hold of you know we uh, back from when we were growing up you know you didn't have cell phones on your hip when you were in the in high school and and so you know if you needed to call mom or dad it was finding a pay phone or a landline or some of those things and you know we've got to we've even got young firefighters now that have never seen a pay phone and so <laughs> you know it's a uh, it's one of those things of uh how technology changes but we can utilize that technology to benefit as well because it makes us a whole lot more capable uh, because you know when when people talk about alerting sirens and different things like that you know it's it's a whole lot better um, sirens have a limited capability for hearing uh, especially if you're at home and then a lot of people sleep with either a fan or a noisemaker because they need that that noise and that's going to prevent you a lot of times from hearing those external sirens that cover a limited area these phones operating off that emergency alerting system really it can pinpoint right then and there that you're going to get that alert no matter what and between those and the, the NOAA weather radios and different things like that for the alerting we highly recommend those systems being in place and, and keeping your cell phones charged uh, just to make sure that you're the, uh, that you have that capability of calling 911 and receiving emergency alerts is a is a huge component but I, I know that people um, are concerned about privacy and I get that a lot from questions but 
Uh, we literally use, we don't track any information off of those or do anything with those except in emergency situations when we need to push those alerts. Hey, and what were we going to say, Seth? Well, one thing about uh, privacy, I mentioned the, the we're always looking for these technology tools. So we have the, the, the normal 911 system that comes through uh, the phone system, the phone lines, but Rapid SOS is another very important tool we have. And if that uh, location information does get passed by the user, um, talking about privacy, that's only presented to us when they dial 911, and it's only presented to us for a few, a momentary uh, time span. So it's not like it's it gets on through Rapid as portal and we keep it maintain it so it's only for that actual 911 call so it's just you're sharing that in that moment you need emergency services i'm curious the 911 call center of today is it kind of like what we see in the movies where it's kind of a, a dark setting but yet they have lights specifically over each 911 operator uh, not not at all. So, uh, we, we're very blessed with the, the, the forethought of the city um, with building a police department and, and putting a lot of emphasis on the, the 911 center that they, they have in the, the police department. So we actually have a very well-lit uh, uh, communication center. Um, it overlooks to um, the cemetery, so we will not get any new neighbors. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it uh, and we do have some um, uh, backup capability that we're working on in the basement and also across town. Um, but it's the work environment is very important uh, when it comes to the uh, supporting our 911 professionals because it's a very stressful um, and constant uh, uh, job for um, serving the public. So. Now, Scott, you will see the one thing that is reality on what you see in a lot of the, some of the shows or the movies is, you know, they, they have a lot of screens in front of them and a lot of information that they're pulling from and, and gathering and, and, and information that they can provide. And that's that's something that we've upgraded just in the past few months. Um, back in October, we initiated in our center, thanks to, to Seth and his staff working the way and diligently the way they do, is we're, we have new call processing software um, that's there. It's called ProQA, and it's a it's a nationally known system that's used by 911 centers all over the country. Some of the largest cities in the in the United States, or well, it's used worldwide, truthfully. Um, but it's a system that's designed to help us um, take those calls and process them in the, in the most efficient means necessary to prioritize them. Uh, but on the emergency medical dispatch side, it's also a certification process. So very similar to what our personnel go through for their EMT, advanced EMT, and paramedic licensure to be able to provide advanced levels of care on emergency medical scenes. Our dispatchers now have what is called emergency medical dispatcher certification, which means they are highly trained. And, and when someone calls our center, uh, they're basically looking for that information that's going to trigger this is a life-threatening emergency and when that is when that happens and when that call uh, is initiated on that within just seconds they are shipping that call over into the CAD system it's being dispatched even while the caller is still on the phone with the, the dispatcher and it's because of another system we have just put in place on station alerting but that call is being dispatched by a computer system at the same time that the caller is on the phone with the dispatcher and so it makes a tremendous difference but it also gives us the ability on several emergency type calls and, and very severe emergency type calls, respira uh, severe respiratory stress, choking um, when someone's in cardiac arrest and they need CPR. Our dispatchers now have full capability of providing those instructions to a caller so that they can help the person before we even arrive on the fire truck or in an ambulance. That way the person's family is actually starting the CPR in some cases, I guess? Absolutely. Okay. 
And then you also have issues where somebody may be having a baby right then. And, you know, those kinds of things are kind of hard to slow down. So I guess that's when the dispatcher steps in and starts walking them through the process of, of, of what to do before paramedics arrive absolutely and and always like to emphasize you know it is the 911 telecommunicator that is that is the that is handling that instant and using all these technology tools and 911 telecommunicator makes you know makes things happen and 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 makes that instant go smoothly and get the responders out there and uh, our focus is to really look at what technology is out there uh, and smart to uh, implement to give those tools so uh, to empower our 911 telecommunicators to manage that workload because with the, with the city's rapid growth and this the technology revolution we have more and more capability of putting it in and sending information more into the 911 center the challenge is to manage that um, and empower our people to to manage that and coordinate that um, in a, in a timely and accurate fashion so and that's what like chief folks had mentioned when we uh, implemented uh, the AMD protocols they're through the uh, international academies of emergency dispatch so it's an industry standard that we uh, implemented and we went through it as a uh, we got a group together and uh, went through the evaluation process as a different different options out there and we selected as a center my our staff to select this route we want to go um, and it does give us um, the capability uh, for you know telephone CPR instructions uh, you know airway support uh, child uh, uh, birth um, we have uh, functionality uh, that's uh, uh, approved by our medical director to uh, ask certain questions to determine uh, or if we need to administer aspirin or direct the caller or the um, the person with the patient to administer aspirin or uh, EpiPen instructions. Um, there's a stroke diagnostic to determine um, if or if not the likelihood of a stroke happened. Uh, air, uh, airway support, Heimlich maneuver, Narcan administration. Um, all these tools are now in our toolbox to, um, and that's why we call our, the 911 telecommunicators the first first responder because they are not physically on scene, but they are the first ones on scene to help that caller over the phone or that patient uh, as we are uh, concurrently um, dispatching uh, police, fire, medical to uh, on that scene. So essentially that, that patient, that caller is getting medical help immediately as they call before first responders arrive on scene. And again with us this morning, Seth Russell, Emergency Communications Director with the uh, 911 call center here in Murfreesboro. And then also with us, Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks. And we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, you know, we're hearing more and more from the TBI about fentanyl finding its way into the illegal drug trade and overdose deaths are, are rising, you know, all over the state of Tennessee. We're hearing a lot about it here in Rutherford County and Murfreesboro as well. But I, I'm curious how often you're dealing with that, how often lives are being saved, uh, you know, with the use of like Narcan, like, like you mentioned. Um, but that is a growing problem. So I'm, I'm curious how you go about working with those situations, especially over the phone. Again, we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Time right now, 841. Stay with us. <clears throat> The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your spring gardening needs. We have everything you need for your garden, your lawn, have clothing, some of the greatest gift ideas. We also have baby chicks. So please come see us for everything you need for your farm and home needs. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. This is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your spring gardening needs. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Good morning. Traffic still moving on 24 through the Hickory Hollow area as you head towards Nashville. Lots of radar scattered up and down 24 this morning inside Coffee County towards Manchester as well. Princess Hot Chicken now hiring at both locations. You can apply online at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. From the tallest tower in the city limits of Murfreesboro to every radio in the land, WGNS AMFM is everywhere you need us to be. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now the time, 844. Again, Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks with us this morning and Emergency Communication Director Seth Russell. And before the break, we uh, brought up narcan the use of narcan and the fact that so many people are overdosing now fentanyl is being i guess mixed into street drugs in order to make more of whatever drug it is the drug dealer selling um how big of a problem is it it's it's a large i mean it's a tremendous problem and, and it goes across several different uh, caveats i mean you've got to You've got folks that are, you know, addicted to drugs and living in kind of those environments where where drugs are basically their entire lives. And then you also have people that have gotten addicted to pain relievers or other things, you know, things like that that they overdose on or otherwise. And it's it, it becomes a tremendous problem. And, and when you say, well, how often they're, you know, we administer Narcan, and, and the answer is at least daily, uh, and a lot of times multiple times per day. And and the sad thing is, is when the uh, I, I, when the persons are producing these drugs that are they're being administered to people, they're they're lacing in some of this fentanyl that makes it even more um, to where they're addicted to it. It's more addictive, and it's you know they have to have more of it, and et cetera. And then you we get uh, you hear a lot of terms bad batches, and well, if there's a bad batch that's got that's yeah, it's too much fentanyl mixed in with it, or it's got know a bad batch of drugs then you'll see a lot of overdoses really really quickly because it's just too much of an amount uh, to overcome and the big thing about all those medications are uh, they just about immediately drop your respiratory drive and in your drive to breathe and so they can render you unconscious and the next thing that goes is your drive to breathe and so you stop breathing and and eventually pass away from that and so the important thing is immediately getting care 
uh, to those people and and some of the great things that they have done is Narcan administration is capable of going um, to family members that have someone in their household that may have gotten addicted to pain relievers or prescription drugs or you know otherwise to where that can administration can happen quickly. Our dispatchers, as Seth mentioned, are trained to to guide somebody through that administration of Narcan. Uh, our police officers carry Narcan. All of our fire apparatus have Narcan. Uh, on them and the ambulances have uh, Narcan, of course. And so we're able to get there quickly and hopefully revive the person uh, if they've gotten into that situation. You know, we want to see it where nobody gets into that situation, but we, uh, but unfortunately it happens daily, even within our community. Uh, as great as our community is, we still have that issue in our community. So are there certain times where somebody will think that person who's having problems needs Narcan and then they and you know actually give them narcan and then is there an adverse reaction to it no narcan doesn't really have an adverse reaction it just basically uh, counteracts the effects of, of any kind of opiate or narcotic drug and so there's really not a lot that you can do to harm someone by administering narcan um, but it's one of those things that we just try to do uh, to make sure that we uh, get the um, get the medication to the people that really need it first and foremost but you're not going to harm someone if you administer narcan to someone that's not in that particular situation but there may be something else going on and it's one of the things we would do to kind of rule out and how often is it a case where it is involving fentanyl uh, with a street drug or something uh, versus a case where somebody accidentally took double whatever their medication is it, it just depends on the situation and the environment a lot of times it's it involves uh, it involves someone taking just more than they should have of their medication uh, and, and people becoming addicted to those medications and and things like that and you know years ago i worked on the ambulance in severe county and you know we had a, a farmer uh, somebody that you just wouldn't expect and bib overalls in a truck that just kind of pulled over on the side of the road and he was unconscious and you know this is somebody that you know you're not going through your mind that this person would be in an overdose situation but it turns out he was and he had through farming and had back pain for years and oxycontin was a new medication that was out and didn't know a lot about oxycontin but oxycontin is one of those medications if you don't take it as as prescribed and you take more than you should you can very quickly overdose on it and get into major problems and he had overdosed on oxycontin just by taking double the amount of the dose that he should have just because that he had forgotten to take it the night before and thought he would catch up and try to be able to work that day uh, um, pain relief and, and just couldn't do it so it can kind of overwhelm you very very quickly uh, and it's just one of those things we just extreme caution using any type of opiate or pain relieving medications they're very addictive and you know if you can avoid them at all we recommend the avoiding them and uh, and doing those things because we just don't want anybody to kind of fall into that trap of those medications and and doing those things and become there but it's it's pro we see both measures of it um, a lot of times the illegal drug trade is it probably makes up about half of what we see but a lot of it is just prescription um, pain reliever abuse uh, that we see in the community and is there a certain age group you're seeing more of whenever it comes to these overdoses involving drugs it, it varies I mean it just depends on the environment but it's and you know we we see it a lot in the 20s and stuff like that with drug use and, and the environmental side but but prescription, prescription opioids and, and the things like that can affect any age. Uh, and, and that's one of those things that farmer that I experienced then was, he was probably in his late 50s, early 60s uh, when I encountered him. And so it's, it's just one of those things that can really truly impact anyone and something you have to be very careful of. And then Seth, on the 911 side, how are you able to decipher, well, this is gonna be a, a drug overdose versus something else? 
Well, one uh, benefit of the, the protocols we put in place for the Inter- International Academies of Murder Dispatch is there's some structured um, questions to, you know, when we, the, the first, uh, when the citizen calls 911, obviously location, 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 find out where the, where the help is needed is, is, is the first and foremost. After that, we have uh, structured questions to triage, uh, to determine um, what is what is happening, what's the incident, and that's for two reasons. One, so we can identify and properly, quickly, and accurately classify that call to dispatch the appropriate uh, first responders, whether it's uh, fire, police, or medical. Another thing, uh, to uh, determine what um, essentially uh, pre-arrival or post-dispatch instructions, which essentially says that's the medical instructions we're going to give to the caller. So whether that is, we, we triage it. So obviously priority symptoms uh, are first and foremost. So we we uh, diagnose if it's an unconscious victim is kind of what the situation is, if it's potentially a CPR or an overdose. Um, you know, are they breathing? Are they breathing effectively? Are they conscious? Are they fully uh, alert? Those type of questions allow, allow us to triage that and then get into potentially, you know, telephone CPR instructions or um is there AD available, uh, AD support instructions, or potentially Narcan administration? And Scott, I think it's important to note that you know, and those things, that information is happening within seconds, and and gathering that information. And, and the great thing about this new system, and in conjunction with what we call locution, which is our station alerting system through uh, through the 911 center, that all of our stations have lighting, they have the speakers, and it comes across the radio, but. That is a, it's not a computer generated voice, it's actual person's voice, but it's a voice that is the same all the time. So it's recorded. All of our streets in Murfreesboro have been recorded and it's in its pronunciation of how we pronounce it here mm-hmm. in Murfreesboro. Uh, so DeJarnet is not DeJarnay or anything like that. And so, you know, we, we know the streets. Um, I mean, they can get the, that dispatch comes out like that very quickly. And as I said earlier, you know, when you call 911, you're gonna, you're gonna, the operator is gonna, our dispatcher is gonna ask you what the, what is your emergency? They're gonna verify your address, and then they're gonna start going into determining what that problem is. And the great thing about that is, as soon as you say I need an ambulance, or they identify that you've got a medical problem, that call is immediately transferred over to Rutherford County EMS. So they have that call initially. And then if it's determined to be a high priority call um, and, and something that is life-threatening or potentially life-threatening in nature, that call is immediately queued up and we the computer actually starts the dispatch process on our end. And, and the timing of that is very, very quick and we get dispatched out very quickly. All that information is being fed off of every question that they're answering in that system, that ProQA system is being fed into our CAD system, which is immediately updating uh, that entire system that, and all that information is going over the rest for County EMS um, and to the ambulances via their mobile data terminals as well as our fire apparatus and their mobile data terminals that are in those trucks and so and, you know we were talking earlier about technology with phones it's the same kind of thing I mean our, our our captains in route to a call are seeing every single update that that that, that 911 dispatcher is receiving from that caller on their screen as we're going to that call uh, the other great thing for us in the fire department is it gives us a great capability of making sure that we're answering the calls that we need to be answering and, and are available for those calls and not answering calls that we really don't need to be going on because, you know, there's there's certain situations that we really don't know to need to go to an EMS call. If someone's having um, an isolated extremity injury, they sprained their ankle, you know, they may not be able to, they may need an ambulance to try to be able to get to the hospital if they can't get into a car or they've kind of wrenched their back or if they've having abdominal pain. 
but that's the great thing about this system is it identifies those prioritizations, but it leaves us available to answer those calls of a stroke, a chest pain, you know, a cardiac emergency, a breathing difficulty, an overdose, you know, a diabetic emergency, something that we can make an immediate difference on the scene and, and get turned around. It saves us and prioritizes us answering those calls and not answering the calls that we really that a first responder unit can't make a big difference on. You're still going to get an ambulance, but you may not get a fire truck with it in those situations. No, that's what this software allows us to do is better prioritize to where we're available to answer all those calls. I'm curious, when you look back over the last, let's say, two years during the pandemic of COVID, and then you compare it to today, <clears throat> are you seeing an increase in uh, let's say overdose cases or was there an increase in overdose cases during the pandemic and now it's dropping a little bit well believe it or not overdose cases actually went down a little bit during the pandemic at times i mean we, we it's it's like anything else we saw some some fluctuation but but truthfully ems calls besides um covid calls went down during the pandemic because people just would not go to the hospital which is is a bad thing in a lot of ways because they weren't seeking care and getting care when they really truly needed care during that situation now we've kind of seen things return to normal uh, where people feel comfortable you know going into that hospital environment uh, within those things and things like that but uh, you know that's that's the whole thing is our our responders literally and, and including our our dispatchers we never skipped a beat during COVID. I mean, we were our our personnel were always working. We had measures in place, and they had the same measures in place at the 911 center with temperature checks every day when you're coming into work. If you don't feel good, don't come to work. You know, wearing masks all the time and and doing those things. But you know, those dispatchers they weren't able to do that from home like a lot of people were able to work from home. They had to be at that 911 center receiving those calls. Our firefighters um, and paramedics and had to be out on. And the stations, they had to be working and things like that, and we needed to be there supporting them, and we were. And, and those are things that um, community, uh, I'm really, really proud of all of our personnel, police officers and everybody else in our community, uh, Rutherford County EMS, um, all of our um, emergency workers in the, in the community, and especially those um, doctors, nurses, and all the hospital workers. You know, we continue to provide that all through the, the pandemic and, and came out on the other side of it um, great, I think. And, and we're kind of, you know, coming through that and, and learned a lot from it uh, as far as things that we can do and, and, and how, to, how, to, how to get through things and how to limit that spread and how to do other things. But, uh, but I think, uh, you know, we did see some fluctuation in it, but I think uh, the overdose thing has kind of returned to its normal pattern. You know, there was some interruption with it per se during the COVID, uh, but it wasn't as, um, it wasn't a tremendous interruption, but it was somewhat of an interruption in it. We saw a little bit less. Now it's kind of returned to normal on just about everything that we're having. As summer comes up, is summer a time where there are a, a lot more calls into 911 due to accidents outdoors, everything from accidents involving a lawnmower to, to swimming to drowning, those types of things? I mean, are you or do you expect to see a big increase in those types of calls and dispatches? I wouldn't say it's a specific type of call, but we do see a, a slight increase through the spring, summer, fall time frame, you know, one, two percent. And it, it does uh, a slight decrease during the winters. And that's mainly because people are, are uh, outside and, and more active. Um, we saw a little bit less of that during COVID, um, but the, in 2021, we saw a extreme uh, increase. And then now we're kind of seeing our normal increase based on uh, both the, the seasons uh, 
you'll see a, a slight uh, increase and decrease depending on the time of year. Um, but overall, uh, with the city's growth, its overall increase, uh, we're seeing anywhere between 5 to 7% increase uh, for 911 calls on an annual basis. And we're constantly using, uh, trying to look at uh, technology tools and systems because we, we handle all the 911 calls for the city, but also we handle all the non-emergency calls for the city. So. Uh, if someone has like a, a low priority, um, like a, a fender bender, you know, accident just needs a police report, uh, they can call the non-emergency line. Um, so, but we work uh, very hard to um, offload any of those administration calls. So if you're calling the police department uh, or the fire department for a report, uh, you can call their administration line and not directly into the center. So uh, there's a lot of uh, things we've got after when it comes to digital reporting um, with the, the alarm uh, company integration and a handful of other things that as we see our, our 9-1 volume continue to increase year after year with the growth of the city, we're trying to be more efficient with the other work we have on our plates to um, balance that. And again, we're talking about not only Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue, but also emergency communications here in Murfreesboro, the 911 call center, and we only have like a minute left. But as we close this morning, Chief Folks, uh, the fire department moving to a new headquarters, a new building. I know that's been in the talks for a long time now. Where do we stand with all that? Yeah, we actually had a great opportunity presented to us or that we found uh, to buy, to purchase a building on North Thompson Lane. And so the city is purchasing that building and construction costs, as most people are aware of, are kind of astronomical right now. Uh, for what they have been in the past and so it makes building uh, doing any type of vertical construction construction for the city very difficult because what we planned uh, price per square foot wise has gone up tremendously over before and so the original plan was for us to build an administration and classroom building uh, at the training facility Doug Young training facility over on Bridge Avenue but we have since transitioned to where we're going to be moving into uh, the administrative offices into shared offices with our Parks and Recreation Department, which we're very excited about. And then we will still be building a classroom building over at the, the Bridge Avenue facility, the Doug Young Public Safety Training Facility, uh, to have utilized for both us, the police department, and other city departments uh, that need to do training there. Again, you're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro. We'll put this online in podcast form in just a few minutes. Time right now, 9 o'clock, local news is next.